Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. I'd like to welcome our A-team guest, who is an A-teamer in all the sense of the word, because he's an award-winning um Sure, an award-winning professor. Thank you very much for joining us, Professor Tim Hoffman. How are you doing? Hi, Patricia. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. Nice, nice to be here. I'm excited to be talking to an award winner. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yes, it's, uh, it's been quite a week, I must say. It's, uh, it's an amazing award, and I feel very... Uh, proud to have uh, been uh, given this award. So um, the Living Plant Award is an annual award that ha- takes place for the WWF uh, for exceptional South Africans who through their catalytic uh, contribution to the conservation inspire people to live in harmony with nature. But it was an online event and that's where you were announced as uh, an award winner, Professor um, Hoffman. Maybe tell us about the work that you do. Yeah, so um, it's the Living Planet Award, um, and it's uh, you know, given for someone who's been involved in uh, sort of environmental work. Um, for myself, uh, it really has to do with the work that I've been doing. I've been involved in ecological work for about uh, 35 years now, uh, and initially it, it's really been centered on the arid zone, on the Karoo, and it's... Uh, Probably because of the work I've been doing, which combines sort of ecological studies, botanical studies, but a very strong uh, focus also on people, uh, especially on how people use the land and the impact that they are having on the land. Uh, And then there's another sort of angle to my work, which is as a trustee of the Leslie Hill Succulent Karoo Trust, which is dedicated to the conservation of this amazing uh, biodiversity-rich area we have in the country called um, the succulent Karoo, the succulent Karoo biome. And it's that sort of combination of work over the last 35 years that uh, I think was the reason why I was um, given the award. Talk to us about uh, the work that you do at Leslie Hill Succulent Karoo Trust and uh, how intensive is it when it comes to incorporating the community around that area? So the Leslie Hill Succulent Karoo Trust was set up by Mr. Leslie Hill, uh, and he lived for uh, most of the 20th century and passed away in 2003. And when he passed away, he uh, left funds to WWF as a beneficiary to secure land for conservation. And so he set up a trust, and I'm one of the three trustees because he also set up uh, an endowed chair at UCT, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I hold that chair, and so I'm one of the trustees. Anyway, the Leslie Osakian Could Trust is dedicated to uh, improving the sort of conservation status of the succulent Karoo, and it's um, it's 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 contributed about uh, 300,000 hectares over the last um, since 1995, over the last 25 years, to the conservation of the succulent Karoo. And that's about a third of all the area that's been set aside for conservation in the succulent Karoo biome comes from Mr. Hill's trust and from the work done by WWF within that trust to secure this land for conservation. 
So for a single person to make such a contribution is really phenomenal. Uh, and uh, I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's made a big difference. About 8% of the succulent karoo is now set aside for conservation from just about zero in 1985. So it's been a big, um, it's been a big increase since 1985. But then the other work that I've been doing is around the communal area in Macroland, especially uh, about uh, 25% of the area in the Macroland is set aside as communal areas where communal area farmers live. And I've been working there since about 1995, really just trying to understand how farmers use the land the impact, the impact that they're having on the land, and how they could be incorporated more effectively uh, into a more conservation-friendly way of using the landscape. Um, and it's been an incredible experience for me to have been given the opportunity to work with uh, people in these communal areas. Now, in these communal areas, when we're saying, you know, they're being incorporated and taught, is, is the norm that um, the, the local people within the Karoo have not been conserving correctly, or is it just expanding on the knowledge that they already have? Well, I think the, the thing is that uh, a large number of people with a large number of animals are going to have an impact on the landscape. And this is particularly the case in the communal areas where people have been often moved off surrounding privately owned land uh, in the 1960s and 1970s and 1980s and uh, told to move to these areas where they have family or where they have homes. And so there are a lot of people living in these um, communal areas with lots of animals. And so a lot of our work has really just been to try and understand how people use the land, how people impact the land, and what interventions uh, could uh, take place in order to um, improve uh, the sort of way in which the land is used. I mean, an obvious one is to increase the area of the land. That's clearly uh, under the land reform program. There have been some uh, new farms bought, and the area for communal area farmers has been increased, and that's been helpful in reducing the number of animals that are grazing the land. Some of my colleagues have also been working with communal area farmers to improve the sort of genetic stock of the uh, of the animals which they have, uh, breeding them with uh, you know better mutton sheep, for example, uh, and in that way um, enabling them to raise uh, better quality animals, get better prices for the animals, and as a result, then uh, reduce the number of animals uh, on the felt. Uh, we've also tried to think about how donkeys uh, donkeys were used for transport a lot of the time in the 19, well, in the middle part of the 20th century. But these days, few people, although some do, but few people use donkeys, and there are lots of feral or rontlooper donkeys. And so, you know, there are all sorts of ideas about how to use donkeys, how to remove them from the the felt, because they also have uh, a big impact on the on the land, and very few people derive any real benefit from donkeys. But there was none of this knowledge was really available. We didn't know these things um, 25 years ago, and so uh, a lot of this work um, that I've been involved, with, but also many many other colleagues and students, have been slowly trying to put together a sort of a better picture of how these landscapes are used by communal area farmers, what impacts they're having, where is that impact greatest, 
and uh, how could uh, interventions perhaps uh, improve the way in which people use the land. Now, you know, with all the beautiful work that you were doing, it is very clear that the communities um, and also the general um, South Africa is going to benefit from getting more knowledge on how we can preserve the Karoo. My question now is, with all this research that's been done, is there enough funding um, or, or, or support, even in the way of, of human capital, to make sure that we preserve um, the, the Karoo area? Look, I mean, funding is always an issue, um, and our funding resources in the Southern African environment have, uh, South African environment have, have, have decreased uh, considerably over the last several years. Um, immediately post '94, we were very fortunate to get a lot of funding, especially from overseas uh, institutions, the European Union, a lot of the, the German Department of Education and Training supported quite a lot of work as well, and you know the. Succulent crew was kind of flavor of the month, and uh, we received very good funding. Now it's a bit more difficult. Um, but it's not just about money, though. It's also about an interest. And one of the big problems that we faced, or one of the big areas where I think we could uh, perhaps um, learn a lot more or improve on, is involving much more uh, of the social scientists, of the anthropologists, of the development workers, of people from not only the environmental sector, but we should be thinking about how we can um, bring together the conservation and the human development agenda. Uh, they need to be much more closely aligned, uh, and, but we, we, we need many more social scientists working uh, in the Karoo to help us think through not just about the environmental issues, of which there are many, and they are very important, um, but also about how to integrate real solutions for conservation and uh, human development. These are difficult issues. Um, but I think the environmental sector, the biologists have, uh, have produced much more knowledge, have been working with many more students uh, in the Karoo, um, you know, for, 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 for a long time. And I think they, uh, I, I think we need many more uh, people from the social scientists. It's not that there haven't been any, there have been some very fine social scientists and still are, but it's been a bit lopsided and I think a much uh, better integrated uh, interdisciplinary uh, focus um, to research in the Karoo would be, I think, uh, very beneficial to the area as a whole. We are talking uh, to award-winning uh, Professor Tim Hoffman, who won the award for the 2020 WWF Living Plant Awards. And uh, we are just talking about how we can conserve uh, nature and also the work that he does at the Leslie Hill Succulent Karoo Trust. A-teamers, we'd love to hear from you. The number to dial is 0891-104-207. And you can WhatsApp on 614 Ben Zito, Phineas, Patricia, Prof, and the listeners, how are you? Uh, I Fine. wanted to check with the Prof. Oh, firstly, congratulations on your accolade, uh, Professor. Secondly, I wanted to check with you that, uh, I mean, there is a, a general agreement amongst uh, us as scientists that currently there is a, a sixth extinction which is underway which is uh, obviously caused by uh, anthropogenic factors then uh, I, I mean such as burning of uh, fossil fuels coal deforestation and so on 
I want to check with Prof, what's the role of an ecologist uh, in terms of encouraging uh, communities to be responsible? That's number one. Number two, uh, what's the role of scientists in terms of uh, creating your seed banks, uh, orthodox species, as well as a, a genetic uh, modifi- modification in terms of uh, such as uh, creating uh, your, your drought resistant plants and so on in order to conserve the little that we have at the moment. Uh, thank you. Chief Prof, there's a scientist asking you so many questions. Please do help. Yeah, tough questions. I'm not so sure about the um, genetic side of things because, um, yeah, we know there's not a lot of cultivation going on uh, in the Korea. In fact, over the last century, cultivation has declined enormously. But in terms of the uh, threats facing the Karoo, you know, I would say that the biggest threats are poaching, are people stealing plants, uh, people stealing tortoises, lizards, beetles. Uh, traders are doing this, syndicates are coming into the country and deploying uh, thieves to steal a lot of uh, these plants and it's something that is a very serious problem that we need to pay attention to. Um, I think also in terms of the succulent karoo, uh, land clearing, whether it's for cultivation or whether it's for mining, uh, you know, is also major habitat destruction. Uh, cultivation, once you've cultivated a portion of the succulent karoo, for example, you'd have to wait uh, 100 years or more for it to come back to something like it used to look before you cultivated that. So, so clearing without thinking a new lands for cultivation that give you modest returns at best, I think it needs to be thought about a lot more carefully. Uh, and then what's also happened in the karoo over the last um, while has been the, the increase in renewables and all the associated infrastructure, wind, uh, wind farms uh, and solar panels and so on, and all the power lines, that has uh, big implications for some of the biodiversity in the area as well. And then the other one that's always lurking is uh, the, the issue of climate change, and that holds uh, a lot of uh, potential threat for the diversity in the succulent Peru. Uh, the kind of drought we've had in the last five years has been pretty devastating. Uh, and not only for uh, the biodiversity, but also for farmers in the area. People are really struggling mm. uh, in the region. So that's always something in the background. Uh, livestock, uh, livestock production, I think, is less, perhaps, of, a, of an impact. Our research in the communal areas, for example, for example, suggests that, yes, livestock do have an impact, but it's primarily on the low-lying areas, on the flat valley bottom. The rocky mountain slopes seem to be better protected from uh, animal grazing. Animals don't seem to want to go there as much. And it's really the low-lying areas that are are heavily impacted. So I would say those are some of the things that we need to think about in terms of the major threats 
um, to the biodiversity of the succulent group. You mentioned the fact that um, the implementation of renewable energies um, is also one of the threats. Are there no consultations that are taken between those who implement the renewable energy sources and uh, with uh, the environmentalists and scientists such as yourself and others who work in the area to make sure that as much as we need clean, good energy um, via the renewable energy, but we are also not hampering on the biodiversity of the Karoo? Look, I think there's always a trade-off between developments such as, such as this, such as... Um you know, wind farms and so on, uh, and solar panels. There's always a trade-off between a development and the impacts on biodiversity. And yes, there is a very rigorous process that uh, that developers and those who want to establish wind farms need to need to go through. Nonetheless, um, you know, all the infrastructure that goes it gets put in place, uh, all the roads that have to get uh, put in place, the clearing that has to happen. Uh, the fragmentation, the power lines themselves have implications for mobile animals, such as birds, big bastards. These power lines are at a height which seems to uh, affect um, the sort of flight paths and the right in the flight paths of these large birds. And it can be pretty devastating um, for some of these populations of these big birds in particular. And it's very hard to mitigate that. Um, people do try, but... Um, they nonetheless do have an impact. But it is done in a responsible way. Uh, there are rules about that, and there are environmental consultants that are, 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 are that try and address that. But there's always this trade-off between development on the one hand and um, conservation on the other. It has to be thought through very carefully. Mm. That message came from Kalanga, um, who's in Durban. Let's go to Atima Ngonde, who's in PE. Good evening, Ngonde. Evening to Patricia and your guest. I want your guest to clarify one thing. Um, he, when he started, you mentioned succulent karu. Sounds like it's a nice fruit. Now, I want to ask him one. SK square kilometer radius. It's someone karu. is going to have so many um, telescopes visited by lots of scientists throughout the world. All right? Once you get into full swing. I wonder what that one has any effect on the impact environmental assessment, right? Two, I understand quite some years ago that there will be fracking. Simply put, um, there could be some gas exploration, and I understand with that gas exploration, um, it can damage the scarcity of water, causing lots of gas, right? Tell me, how is your guess viewing that in terms of cost-benefit analysis. I know that the benefit will definitely be um, employment, but what about the damage to the environment? Patricia, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Nwande. Let's allow Professor to respond. Professor Hoffman? Okay, so um, as I understand it, the, the questions were around the potential impact of an SKA and fracking in the Karoo. Is, mm. that, is that right? Do I understand that more or less? Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah, look, the SKA is being uh, is being established with the uh, with the creation of a national park associated with the area of the SKA, and so from an environmental perspective, um, the impact on the environment uh, is likely to be beneficial. Um, it's there are also benefits that are 
proposed for local communities. Uh, I know there have been some issues. I know that um, some of my colleagues are working uh, on some of these these matters, um, and they're under discussion. Uh, and, you know, but the SKA does have an associated um, social development component to its work, so uh, should uh, be beneficial to local communities as well. You'd need the SKA specialists to come in and explain uh, all the benefits that uh, they have associated with their large, um, their large telescope or their, their, their large infrastructural development. Mm. In terms of fracking, the interesting thing, the thing about fracking is that even though we've spent probably the last 25, 30 years doing research on the Karoo, a great deal of that has been around uh, the impact of livestock production. The Karoo, up until quite recently, was really set aside for for agricultural production, especially for sheep, for wool sheep and for mutton sheep. Now, that has changed considerably in the last uh, 10 or 15 years, uh, perhaps 10 years. And uh, suddenly now all that, that that research we did on the impact of grazing, on uh, on species composition, on palatable plants, on livestock production, the impact of fencing, on uh, animal movements and so on, and how to graze responsibly, all that research that we've been doing seems to be not very useful when you look at the potential impact that fracking might have on the landscape, where you have a lot of, for example, uh, uh, roads between the well points, uh, where you have um, you know, all this fragmentation happening in the landscape, you have dust, you have these uh, deposits of uh, toxic materials on the surface, we really don't have a lot of that um, of, the, of, the, of the information around what the environmental impact is likely to be. Work done elsewhere suggests that the impact, the environmental impact of fracking, are not trivial, and they're likely to be, uh, you know, very important for the Karoo, especially because once you clear or disturb or make a road in the Karoo, it's really there forever, um, and it's very difficult then for the environment to recover, uh, even with some sort of intervention. So, yeah, we don't really have a good feel for this uh, as in terms of the potential impact uh, that fracking might have on the environment. But um, the suggestions are from other places in the world that it might be uh, negative, certainly for the environment. Well, uh, Prof, as we close off, can you please just give us some encouragement on how we as ordinary citizens can ensure that our environment is kept safe? Well, I think for those living in the macro land anyway, I, I think the, one of the most important things is um, not to take plants, and for all of us when we're traveling through these areas, not to uh, take plants from the wild, to pay really, uh, you know, to abide by the law. That's not something one should do. But more importantly, I would suggest that people really inform themselves about the environment, about the Karoo, about the amazing diversity that South Africa has to offer. Get involved as much as you can with your local protected area, your local conservation area, whether it's a national park or a municipal park or a neighborhood park. Get involved. Invite people who you uh, see as mentors or see as knowledgeable about the environment. Invite them to come and talk to your school groups. Set up school groups. Uh, be involved in the environment and develop a consciousness about the value of the environment for all of us. 
uh, now and uh, and also in the future. So it's ready to engage much more fully in what a healthy uh, environment means for all of us on a day-to-day basis. Thank you so very much, Professor uh, Tim Hoffman, and congratulations once again. Thank you, Patricia, and thank you to all the listeners.